Welcome to the Real Life Diabetes Podcast, episode 47, with a finally overdue appearance of Scott Johnson, the leader of the DOC. Tell me, sugar mama, what you A1C? Are you into endocrinology? The pricker is a pricker and the pumper is pumping. Beats like Wilford Brimley keeps coming in. Officer, I ain't been drinking. My blood sugar is low. Bolo some insulin just to get it all in, you know. I'm counting carbs and my calories burning. Pricker to the finger to deliver the prick. Wake up tomorrow and it starts again because. With Scott being actually the first person who ever listened to one of our episodes, <laughs> or and, now, and now that he's here in episode yeah. forty-seven, it's it's surreal. It's a full circle experience. <laughs> so happy you can make it. So pumped, and he is such a good guy. Like I'm, I'm just yeah, I'm just pumped that he made it on the show with us. You feel like you could just sit, at, you know, you, you don't know. Even if you didn't know this guy, if you saw him in a coffee shop, he'd strike up a conversation, whether about diabetes or not, and. We've both had the pleasure, I've had the pleasure of meeting him in person, but we've had the pleasure of just getting to know him via email and phone calls and whatever for a couple of years now. For a long time. And seeing the way he interacts with every single blogger that ever blogs something inside of DOC is incredible. I mean, you can you could be talking about somebody who just started blogging, put out their first post ever. He's on it. He's on it. He, he comments and says like how they connected with him. I, I find that incredible. Or gives them encouragement, which is wonderful. It's not competition. It's like, hey, welcome to the crew. Welcome to the crew. Welcome to the DOC. We'll get to uh, Scott's bio a little bit more here in a second. But first, we have some announcements. Are we doing announcements first? Of course. Okay, right on. Yeah. They're the most important part. So <laughs> we have a happy hour oh, that we're yeah. about Good to call. do. Um, it's it's going to be over by the time this episode releases, but, but we're still excited. Gonna, regardless. I think it's going to be one of our biggest. It's we're going to Okinawa. We're going to Okinawa. Yeah, in the Plaza District here in Oklahoma City, which is amazing. It's you know a ma and pa kind of deal, and it's all ages, which is we only do a few times a year. And expect it actually a really large crowd. I'm excited. There's some decent buzz surrounding the happy hour. And by the Still time casual. we put this out, we'll put a picture out. Like we'll a, put a picture the crew. Out. And then we're gonna do another one probably in November. Yeah. yeah. Around Diabetes Day again, like last year. Probably. I'm not ready. Yeah, that's a long ready. time away. Yeah. Another announcement was we went to Kim Boaz Wilson's 50th birthday. You just outed Kim. I was just going to say her birthday. Well, party. it you was all about 50th? 50th. And you I think it, she was episode number 36, 42, mm-hmm. something. Not that long ago. It wasn't. And she also was the one that on our YouTube channel put on my very first XCOM. Like Kim is a rock star in the diabetes community. And she... Uh, dedicated her 50th birthday to raising money for Diabetes Solutions, which is a organization here locally. Are they called an organization? What are they called? Oh, it's a 501c3. Okay, yeah. yeah. It's a nonprofit in Oklahoma City. They do diabetes services. They do a ton of diabetes education for newly diagnosed kids. Yeah. Kim talked about a lot, but Diabetes Solutions covers so much ground in the city. Yeah. And how about this? You know, if, if somebody would like to support that organization and they don't know how, um, you can, one, you can just go to dsok.net or you can hit us up and we'll put you in contact if you would like to help 
diabetes solutions out in honor of Kim's 50th. Well, and they, she actually, in all the promotional stuff that she did for months, literally, if you decide to make a gift on behalf of her 50th birthday, when you, when you do that, make sure that you put a a gift for Kim's birthday or something like that. So they know you're, it makes a difference that their marketing efforts were well-received. Makes a difference. Okay. Last announcement. If you're a college student, it's that time of year. You just got your syllabus. You're thinking about buying a textbook. You're thinking about buying it used. If you use Amazon, click on our link first. Right side of diabetesdailyground.com. Click it, buy your stuff. We get a commission. doesn't cost you anything else. And let me say this. I just ordered vitamins, Mm -hmm. books for my nephew, Grandpa Henry, who they're being delivered. I do everything through our link. Floss. Floss. I do not do floss. That seems ridiculous. It's weird. But you have floss delivered. I've never had floss delivered. I just figured you would. No. All right. Mm-mm. Never mind. Mm-mm. Anywho. Yeah. That's Amazon. Well, basically, that's the end of our announcements. No. One last thing. Okay. Never Always. mind. One more. Love, like, and share. With the diabetes online community, it's all about spreading the word. And we could always, we always, we appreciate your help. We do. Huge. We love, we love all that. Every conversation matters. Or comment. Comment on a post that, especially for our guest contributors, your feedback helps them know that they're not alone. That's huge. That yeah. is it. That's huge. Okay, let's talk a little bit about Scott. Scott Johnson. Okay, so Scott Johnson is an experienced patient advocate. He works with a wide range of stakeholders across the healthcare environment to help them establish effective communication with the patient community. Otherwise, today, I mean, he's the communications lead for the United States of America for my sugar. Okay. And patient pathways lead in the diabetes division of the Delta Project Management. He manages a longstanding and award-winning blog, Scott's Diabetes, that reaches hundreds of thousands of people annually. In addition to this, uh, I want to give a shout out to MySugar, their app, what they do. It's incredible. allows you to track trends with your blood sugars, puts you in contact with CDEs. Scott uh, really explains this much, much better than we do. And from uh, a guy on the, the ground. I mean, like he, yeah, he... He gets it. He knows it. He knows it well. He's committed his whole life to diabetes, and you can just tell he cares deeply about diabetes. Even though he would gladly give it back. In a You'll learn more when you listen to this podcast. This guy is so real. He is someone, when I met him in the first time, open arms, straight up a hug. You just want to hug this guy. And maybe he's, he's real huggable <laughs> when we have enough money, when we bring him, well, we're going to do a hugging tour with Scott Johnson. Uh, Scott hasn't agreed to this hugging. <laughs> this tour is yet. me throwing it out because he gives a good <laughs> hug for people with diabetes. Perfect. That's a good segue into our conversation with Scott. Hope you enjoy the show. Let's call this guy. Oh, I love this sound. Here we go. Oh, I know you love that sound. Hello again. What is up, Scott Johnson? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. What up, Scott? Hey, guys. Well, let's start with uh, where you where. So, as you can tell by the way this is starting, we've dialed in. We're skyping it right now. So, where are we? Where are we calling you? 
I am at home, actually. Uh, my family and I just returned from a, a beautiful vacation in Southern California, and I'm home for a few days and then head off to uh, uh, Europe to hang out at my sugar headquarters for a little bit. Nice. Okay. Lucky you. <laughs> but that's a, where the headquarters are. It's a uh, well. It's it's kind of a mixed a mixed bag, right? Because I I um, I always miss my family when I'm gone, but I I always enjoy hanging out with the crew at uh, you know at headquarters. And um, you know, it's funny because San Diego is is where we've opened up the U.S. office for my sugar, and so um, was we were we were there kind of. Uh, acclimating some of the extended family uh, with a little side mission on on relocating. So um, lots going on in the Johnson household. San Diego is a good place. My sister lived there, I think, for seven years. And I'd go back every once in a while. And man, that is a there's a lot to do. Diverse group of people. It's, it's a great place to be. Not a bad place to have a, a cross-country office either. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Right. I, I don't mind one bit. What I'm going to say right now for listeners, if you hear in the background... Um, lawnmowers, weed eaters, weed eaters. I can't say that. Um, <laughs> in Oklahoma, it's been raining really for uh, 10 days or so. And so today was nonstop. Like, yeah. We had a huge storm last night. So today's been dry enough, hot enough to where all the lawn people are trying to catch up. So we apologize for the background noise. There's nothing <laughs> I can, there's nothing I can do about that one. <laughs> Welcome to Oklahoma. We must say, Scott, before we begin, that there is a necessary uh, appreciation we have to give to you because I think you're the first person that gave us positive affirmation about the podcast. Yeah, shout out. Oh, wow. That's cool. For yeah. real, man. I, I feel like you deserve a lot of credit for the success of the show in general. Yeah. <laughs> oh, th- no, you guys deserve all the credit for the success of the show. And it's my uh, an honor and a, and a joy to um, to treat my ears to the to the to the show as often as I can. So I love what you guys are doing and um, thanks for adding another set of wonderful voices to the online diabetes space and the podcast space and and all that stuff. So thank you guys for all the hard work that goes into it. I know uh, that, that, um, you know, as, as much as, uh, you know, we see the end results of, of all the hard work you're doing, but I know that there's a lot of work that goes into it. So Thank you. Well, and if it wasn't for, and again, stroking some egos here and not in a negative way, but if it wasn't for people like yourself and Stacey Sims and some of the other folks out there that have paved the way. And if you don't know who Scott Johnson is, we're adding everything to this. If you're a podcast listener and uh, he, he was one of the first and it has been an honor to get to know this guy in so many ways. And if it wasn't for a burp on the podcast, number one, (laughs) We may not have had the, so you're welcome, dad, um, that I burp out loud and just be yourself, be yourself. Be yourself. I mean, that's what it's all yeah. about. And you guys have introduced us to a lot of people in the diabetes community, not just the online one that gave us um, a platform for this podcast. A lot of people have come from articles and other people in the DOC. So we're well, tru- thank you. truly blessed. That's very kind and, and much appreciated. And I think, um, like like we always do, we're we're all standing on the shoulders of those who came before us. So yeah. you know, back when I was starting, there were there were many people doing talking about diabetes online, whether that was in 
um, you know, mailing mailing lists and and newsgroup forums and and things like that. So it's, uh, I, I think there's there's been this really beautiful natural evolution of of communicating about diabetes and and um, you know we're 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 just con- the people that continue to take it forward and and push the that evolution envelope uh, to to bring new people in. Um, it just all keeps it going. So. Uh, you guys are a great example of that. So thanks for what you're doing again. Yeah, and technology. Thank God for technology because it's allowed all of us to have this type of platform and to expand. Yep. And my goodness, thank you for that. It really has. And one thing I'm curious too, in regards to your experience with the DOC, Scott, is mm-hmm. have you noticed any differences in the tone of the conversations over the years? Hmm. Like looking back to what it was like whenever you were initially publishing blogs and interacting with folks, is it different now as opposed to what it was then? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Um, on, on one hand, um, I feel like I've been so busy over the past few years that uh, I, I haven't been able to stay as connected as I would like to and, and have been in the past. So I feel like there's tons of conversations that are happening that that I'm just not aware of, uh, like I used to be when I first started. Um, and I think that the conversations that I'm seeing, you know, we're being exposed to a bunch of uh, uh, all the all the um, more diverse conversations happening in the diabetes space. So there's, uh, which I think is a good thing, um, but yet still not diverse enough, right? There's still many many stories that aren't being told, and and stories from um, different viewpoints and perspectives that we're not hearing. Um, whether that's because people don't feel comfortable telling those stories or or don't know that there's this online space uh, available as an outlet or a, a medium to share stories or, or hear stories like theirs. Um, you know, as, as big as the, the online community feels at times, it, it also, I, I think, is important to recognize that um, in the bigger diabetes picture, we're, we're barely reaching anyone uh and i think it's important to keep pushing to to get more voices in the mix um i think that's one of the things i will say not to interrupt you but some of some of the hospitals and some of the um, research groups and things like that and this has nothing to do with us necessarily because of course on our website and everything we give a shout out to as many people as we can but they are now taking our postcards and when someone is newly diagnosed hey here is a resource that you're not going to find normally and, and just the outreach there. And then they spread it to somebody else. Or when somebody was getting their haircut recently and said, Oh, my daughter has diabetes. Oh my gosh, my son has, you know, have you heard about this or have you talked about this? And so, you know, and only until a couple of years ago, did I even know that diabetes online community existed and not everybody does that type of research. They're in their tunnel. I mean, they, yep. Or they've had it for so long and they're just not technology savvy. Anywho, I think that we're all doing a really great job of trying to bring people in. Yeah, and it's a it's it's a really um, you know continuing to bring as many new voices in. I think is an important um, aspect of of that evolution. And uh, as the the different technology tools change, uh, so I think about like for example. I grew up uh, in the space with blogs. 
but there's so many other uh, channels out there, right? Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube. Um, you know, you, I could continue naming all these things, and there's millions more that I don't even know about. And the fact that there are uh, likely diabetes conversations happening there, I think that's really <laughs> exciting, and, and it it makes people. Uh, it gives them opportunities to kind of find their their comfort zone or their the technology that that feels best for them. Um, yeah, Instagram, and, and, Instagram. People are really right. blowing up on the diabetes world with that, which is yeah. good because they want. You know, I'm a visual person, so seeing somebody go through something or talk about their carbs with their plate, whatever they've fixed. So I think it is really a, a great opportunity for people to find the best outlet for them, whatever that means. And yep. go, going back a bit to what you said earlier about the lack of diversity sometimes in some of our posts that we see on the DOC. I don't know if you agree with this because I know you've published a lot um, onto the internet, but those posts where you manage to talk about the most vulnerable subjects or you can go like deepest to share the thing that you think maybe shouldn't be shared, those are the things that connect with the most people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. And it's um, it's really scary, right? Opening up and... Oh, and so scary. Uh, because you, you so I think it's a it's a it's a necessary part um, but it also it, it opens you up so you're reaching you're reaching all these people but there's all, also like this part where you, you get you get some of these comments or people who oh yeah throw tomatoes in your face oh, yeah. <laughs> and that hurts right like no right. none of us want to experience that but um, I think when you play around in the internet you have to develop a, a bit of a thick skin. And, and I think we've actually been really spoiled in the diabetes online community, especially back when we first started, because we we really fostered a, a, a very positive um, and, and encouraging space. And as we, as we grow outside of that bubble a little bit, um, there's more tomatoes out there. And yeah. that, you know, you... you when you're exposed to those tomatoes often enough, it makes you a little bit less uh, willing to open yourself up and, and share those real stories. Um, but I think it's also a great opportunity. And Scott, I know you know this is that you put yourself out there. You are vulnerable. If somebody else doesn't like that, you know, I'm uh, the Capricorn in me says, so don't read it. This mm -hmm. is my experience. And I'm hoping that it will touch on someone else's life that I'm, I'm in the trenches with you, dude. I know what's going on. And for the person, I was accosted at one point when we were doing something. They're like, I don't like your message. This was at a seminar or whatever. And I was like, okay, so don't listen. Mm. <laughs> don't was, read it. I mean. It was about um, us using the word grind. Oh, yeah. Diabetes grind. You know, because diabetes like, isn't a grind. I was like, well, yeah. maybe not for you. But <laughs> okay, so. Yeah. Maybe you should put your arm around me and say, I'm sorry that you feel that way, that you're having yeah. this unpleasant experience instead of throwing the tomato. Yeah, that's really actually um, – so that's a that's a really strong thing that you're able to do that, Amber. And I think many – so I, I, I'm like still aspiring to be that strong to, <laughs> to not want that guy to love me and, and love all my messages. I know. And I've cried over a couple of them. Don't get me wrong. Oh, I hear you, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's just one of those opportunities to, to where, you know what, if somebody is going to say that, I'm willing to bet we hit a nerve. Mm. They just don't have the courage to speak about it. Mm. Not for everybody. Everybody's got their own journey, but mm -hmm. 
we had the Ryan cry, you know, or his ver- version of whatever horrible situation. But also we share the positive. Ryan, I'm sorry. You're not calling you out. I don't know if you cry or not, but. Oh, no, it's all good. No, I mean. I, sharing the struggles. Oh, you, you got to share the struggles. You got to. And, yeah. uh, you know, okay. So speaking of the journey here, I know all of, some of us have this concept of having like their own diabetes epic story, like Homer and the Odyssey, <laughs> like where getting the diabetes diagnosis, like connects you to this grand vision of what your life's supposed to be. And it's not always that romantic, <laughs> but yeah. do you feel like your life has, has somehow, you know, been intertwined with the, your like diabetes diagnosis from a young age? Yeah. Let's hear about your diagnosis and how it's, Yeah. Yeah, so I think that um, well, I was diagnosed at a, at the age of five. So mm. um, I'm I'm old enough now that I don't actually remember a whole lot about that diagnosis. Um, yeah. I remember, you know, growing up, bits and pieces of growing up, and and my parents doing such a fantastic job of of uh, working really hard to to make sure that I didn't feel super different because right. of, because of my diabetes and and I'm so appreciative of, of that um, I do remember at some point in probably my my late teens early 20s feeling like diabetes was was part of what I should be doing uh, and um, you know not really knowing what that meant at the time and and I would say even even throughout starting um, writing my blog which which, I guess to this day still continues to be just a, a almost a free source of, of therapy. That's for what me. I was going to ask. A therapy tool is that what yep, it was? Exactly. Uh, and that's that's how that came to be. Um, you know, it's all just kind of come together into a, into a really beautiful um, life experience that I that I that I feel like still has a lot of journey left in it. So. Right. Um, so yes, I definitely feel that way. That 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 diabetes is part of who, who I am and, and what I'm what I'm meant to be. That being said, I give it back in a heartbeat. Like, <laughs> I, I, you know, like there's, <laughs> totally. <laughs> there's there's not. Um, I don't know, diabetes is hard. I, I feel like it's. Um, I feel like it occupies a lot of my mental bandwidth all the time, and I often yes. wonder, like, what else would I be doing or could I be doing if I didn't have to work so hard on on my diabetes. And, um, so I'm not one of these like, um, Oh, thank God for diabetes. It's made me who I am. I, well, I appreciate everything that I've done and found and, and I value all of that because of diabetes. I'd give it, I'd give it back in a heartbeat. No oh, for sure. Asked. Yeah. That, that's a, an interesting balance too. I think that's okay. You know, to yeah. say, Hey, I'd give it back, but you know what? It's also given me some good. It can, it goes both ways to be able to accept both of those things. Yeah. There was something I was going to touch on, but my blood sugar right now is 76, but I've already eaten something. So we're hoping it'll climb back up and I'll have clearer thoughts. <laughs> hey, that, that thought's going to come back That's too. Fact, I think right. when you get to like 85, it'll be back. It'll be back. Yeah. So we'll see here in a second. You bring That's up and, or go ahead, Scott. Yeah. That's the heart. One of the hardest things oh. for me is, is having treated a low and having to wait. Oh, God. It's so hard. So we were talking, this is this is the thought. I'm bringing it back. So now I remember. In one of our past episodes, I think it was two episodes ago with Mark Carter, we talk about diabetes fatigue. And 
you know, like decision fatigue, deci- right? excuse me. Yeah. Decision fatigue, which is a real thing. And when you think about someone with ti- diabetes period, we make, what is it? 163 more decisions every single day than the average person. And it has to be more than that. Oh, I too, agree. My right? God, it's all I think about. And if I haven't looked at my blood sugar and I'm, you know, whatever, because I think about how busy life has become and job and whatever yep. we, it's exhausting. It is. And it's, I feel tired so- every day right now. Right. And, and it's, I think there's, um, there's a lot of those, of those decisions and that, that we've become so practiced that they become, they've become sort of subconscious, but I still think that they count against that, that decision fatigue, right? By the end of the day, um, it's like, I, I am, I'm one of those, the worst people to ask about, like, what do you want to do? What do you want to eat? Where, oh, which God. I'm like, I don't care. I just, you know, like just somebody decides something. I don't want to think about it. I've had problems with going on a date because of this. I'm like, I don't give a shit where we go. I just want to just, I will be able to figure out what I want to eat once we get there. As long as it's not a steak <laughs> joint. I mean, like, I'm going to be fine. Like having to make that extra choice. Yeah. I said this today for lunch. I was like, I'm going to take a lunch break. What am I going to do? That sounds ridiculous, but I normally bring my lunch. <laughs> so. it's, uh, that's actually really interesting because uh, – so I went – there was a study I was in. This was a, a long time ago. I think, I don't know, 2005, something like that, where um, for the first week or so of the study, I had to eat the the foods like they, they literally – bagged all my foods and like prepared the nice. meals for me and oh. at the start of it I was so terrified of this but partway through I, w- I was it was so liberating to not what have to think? think about any of my food it was all like prepared and carb counted and wow. and, and, and and so there's hmm. well part of my brain feels a, a big restriction in in like submitting myself to a hardcore meal plan there's another part that knows there's a bit of freedom in that which sounds really counterintuitive doesn't it oh man i would love to be part of that study i'd probably have a nightmare about it (laughs) i think i would do that 95 out of 100 days in a row yeah. Let somebody. Just five, yeah, five days of freedom, but the other times not to have to think about carbs. Yeah. Or no, not that, to think about just, carbs. Just but you're also eat loosey goosey. You could probably eat a stick and be fine as long as you knew the carbs. <laughs> where I'm like super high maintenance and you know I'm very. Yeah, it's got to be like dusted with truffle oil <laughs> and uh, and like feta. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I mean, I'm two different <laughs> yeah, personality two different. types, but I, I would love to be a part of a study like that. It'd be really fun. Hmm. And did you have to journal about it? No, no, I didn't. I just, it was, um, um, well, it was a lot of years ago now. So I think it was, it was really just Hmm. to, to eat this, um, eat this, this prepared diet for the first week or so. And then, uh, uh, it was a, it was a calorie restriction diet. So it was all about weight loss. And did you lose weight? I did. Yeah, I definitely did. Um, Uh, but it, you know, it didn't last, right? Like there's a lifestyle of, well, let, uh, you know. I'm outing you right now. I don't know if we've already said this because my blood sugar is low, but Scott's favorite food, <laughs> grilled cheese, grilled cheese all day. And every day. when I met this man with, this was a year ago, was it April, a year ago or something when they, was that the first time you, yeah, that was the first we time had you guys corresponded via email and mm-hmm. maybe talked on the phone or something. I don't know. We knew of each other and, uh, Nova Nordis flew out 11 of us for, do you remember the name of the summit or whatever it was called? 
Um, I don't remember the name of it uh, exactly, but it was, um, yeah, it was just, just like some uh, patient bloggers and, and um, they were introducing Traceba. Mm-hmm. And yep. we had the, I was the pleasure of getting to know more about that medication. And get, that's when I got to meet Scott Johnson, Mike Hoskins, mm-hmm. um, Kim. There were so many, uh, Mary, people that I had been stalking, I got to give a hug and, <laughs> ch- you know, clink some glasses. So good times. I don't even know where I was going with that. You, well, because I ordered a grilled cheese. Oh, yeah. And everybody was talking about you. Do you eat it with ketchup? I do. I love ketchup with my grilled cheese. I'm not one of those tomato <laughs> soup guys. <laughs> it's ketchup, and he is Diet Coke in hand at all times. Would you, would you rather have a pure grilled cheese, or would you rather have it with, like, ham or bologna inside? No, I'm really or, a simplest. I like, you know, as, pure. as fancy as mm-hmm. I get is sourdough bread. Uh, do you use, like, Velveeta? So, Velveeta... That's a really a great question, actually. Velveeta is is too melty, like it won't stay in the bread. But uh. I, I I like the just the good old fashioned like American cheese or slices. Cheese. The slices, yeah. Like so craft American single. <laughs> That's my yep. worst nightmare. Oh, yeah. yeah. If we if we start getting too fancy with the sandwich, I feel like it just it's not quite as good for me. Um, it's quite I as mean, good for you as in what? Like good dietary for the soul. Good for the soul. Or what? You know? Good for the soul. Yeah. So we're not like. <laughs> I mean, come on. I'm not thinking at all about dietary, uh, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. Like, <laughs> but when it comes to although the sourdough bread, if I can get sourdough bread that does have a, a like a, a a lower glycemic index, so mm-hmm. it'll it'll digest slower. So I, I think I feel like if I'm doing that, I'm I've got a check mark in the. <laughs> No positive side. The healthier. When you do, we're going to get you to Oklahoma City at some point if if we have to, I don't know, kill somebody. But um, we're going to take you to a restaurant here that is, I mean, you can do. The mule. You can can downscale it as much as you want. But I've never had one because they add so much crap to it. But you need at least a bite of one good mule Mm -hmm. grilled cheese is what they're known for. Here's a question for both of you guys. And this, this gets me thinking about some of the things I see on Instagram. And sometimes if you post a picture to Instagram and it has more than 20 carbs in it, sometimes I think that's considered like diabetes blasphemy in the Mm -hmm. low carb community (laughs) because the low carb community just dominates Instagram with pictures of eggs and bacon like all day. It's just nonstop. So like, what is your one like blasphemy, super high carb meal that you eat? Meal or You know, like on like a regular basis. Regular basis? Yeah. Like once a month. Or splurge. Once a month. Yeah. Well, Amber, you have to go first. I don't have a damn thing. I ate chips this week for the first time in a long time. That counts. I got yeah. a bag what of kind sun of chips. chips. Okay. Cheddar flavor. Ooh. Okay, that counts. Yeah, it's above 20 carbs. Yeah. It was a small bag. I'm going to say it was like one of those little kitty bags that you throw in your lunch. <laughs> so there's what I've got. Okay, good. All right, Scott. I, I mean, I think I'm, I, I almost obviously have to go grilled cheese sandwich. But that's an some. everyday. That's not a splurge. <laughs> that's like your everyday carb oh. ratio is 500. It can be everyday. No, I'm just kidding. I, and I don't, I mean, I don't really eat them every day, but I, w- I would if I could. Um, <laughs> and, and I can't, I can't cook them to save my life because I, you know, the best ones are, are you cook them kind of slow so they get the good crisp on the on the bread right but then i get impatient and i start multitasking and i burn the i burn the shit out of these <laughs> cheese sandwiches. um 
Sometimes yes. the burn, the little, little bit of burn, is good for the bread. But Just if you're burn. if you're charring it, that's probably not a good idea. Yeah, I don't know. It's a sad story. It's an underratingly hard food to cook. I agree. You guys are yeah. ridiculous. Okay, so Ryan, what about you? Uh, we know your love of granola. Bowls of oatmeal or bowls of cereal. Those are. Those are pretty regular for you, wouldn't you say? Oh uh, yeah, daily. I, I got to say, Scott Johnson. There's a picture. I will put it in the show notes. Ryan and I go to breakfast every once in a while. We meet on Saturdays at a place that's in between our homes, essentially. And they are killer. I get an omelet, yet or whatever, but Ryan gets a big bowl of oatmeal. And it's beautiful. It's nice. it's it's Fresh huge. berries. It's a big, beautiful bowl of about 80 carbs. Uh, yeah. Almond it's, milk. We've actually tried to guess, and we're like, eh, I don't know. It's, yeah. But he eats the whole thing, and you survive. So. Yeah, I survive. I'm still here. Yeah. High carbs. High carbs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Scott, you got to break down um, my sugar. The story about how you ended up getting involved with my sugar, also. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. It's a huge it's, app now. It's huge. Yeah, thank you. It's um, yeah, it's 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 been an amazingly fun uh, thing to be a part of. Um, so, my sugar is. Uh, it's a, a digital diabetes platform, although I feel like that 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 phrase is being very much overused these mm-hmm. days and, and doesn't quite do it justice. But um, the heart of it is a, it's a smartphone application that um, collects all your diabetes data, allows you to enter in additional data and, and helps you make sense of it. And that's what, how it ties into some of the additional services like uh, coaching and and. Um, we're also working on some automated supply delivery. We've got some some things going like that abroad, but not yet here in the United States. Nice. When you say abroad, where are we talking? Uh, Germany is where okay. we've got those. Um, so in Germany, we we recently la- launched something that uh, there's being called the My Sugar Package, which is um, completely free to the user because their insurance company or insurance coverage is is paying for it. So there they get the MySugar Pro version of the application. They get uh, unlimited test strips and they get what? That's awesome. By uh, certified diabetes educators, all right through the application. So oh. uh, it, it's really a nice a nice uh, package for for users, and there's no cost to them. So uh, we've got we're we're talking with many other insurance companies uh, around the world and and hope to have something like that to offer here in the U.S. pretty soon. Uh, but it's um you know it's it's I'm going to use the word grind here, but it's a, it's kind of a slow and steady grind with with everything that um, that we've been doing and well and insurance and, anything involving insurance of course is going to be yep take a lot more time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But it's uh, we're making good progress, and and the fact that we've got uh, got some things going abroad already uh, is 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 a good sign for us. So. I have a question on that, just because I deal mm-hmm. with insurance companies. What I do currently, long story, but with your company, when it's offered as a free service or a perk to your insurance package, do do you bill insurance? I mean, do you actually get paid through the insurance companies? Because I'm seeing this as preventative mm-hmm. that will save the, you know, of course the insurance company money long term. So, but there's still, everybody needs to make money. So it's not a negative right. on either side, but how does that work? 
Right. So that's it's definitely not my area of expertise. So I'm not exactly sure about the fine fine grain details sure. of, of the plan. Um, I believe it's it's happening on a higher contractual level right. rather than a, a per you know uh, billing the insurance company on a per user basis. Right. But I'm not I'm not 100 percent certain about that. Um, I also think that the insurance uh, plans and programs, how they do things, especially in Germany, are much different than than what we're used to here. Sure. So, uh, in that case, I believe that the users, uh, the people, are are perhaps paying out of pocket and then getting reimbursed by their insurance company, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm not a hundred percent sure about that. Cool. I find it really interesting too that you can have the trend analysis inside the app or inside the app based on all your blood sugar uploads and then have a CDE be able to immediately look at it and give yeah. you feedback and coaching. I that's so cool. Yeah, it's been really uh, a big part of, of where we're going with things. So we um, probably about a year and a half ago or so started working with Gary Shiner and his team. Uh, he runs a, a practice called Integrated Diabetes Services in the Pennsylvania area. And uh, we, we've always thought very highly of Gary. Uh, he was uh, AADE's Educator of the Year for, I think it was 2014, perhaps. Does and he then, lecture across the United States? He does. World? He definitely, yeah. uh, definitely speaks in many places. He also wrote uh, one of my favorite books about diabetes called Think Like a Pancreas. Oh, yeah. So when we, um, when we were looking into adding some of this coaching uh, services into the app. We we approached Gary and and um, he was all on board with it and and allowed us to come in and and kind of see how how things worked in his office and helped us build the the coaching interface of things from the ground up based on uh, what he and his team would want. So uh, we continue to evolve that with him and his team as well as our our educators in Germany as well. So it's. Uh, um, you know, it's been a big a big hit for us at this point, and a big part of the of that package in Germany. Do you have Do you have any idea? And I know this is probably an unrealistic question, but as to a timeline as to when uh, folks in the United States could see something like that? No, I don't. At this point, we're we're still in in discussions, but uh, it's way too early to start talking about dates or or anything like that. So things are in the discussions are going really well, but. Um, you know, the, what's the saying about the, the, you know, nothing's nothing's a sure deal till the ink's dry on the papers, you know? Right, right. right. Well, we're sending good energy that it'll happen sooner than later. Me too. Thank you. We're, 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 we're very excited. And, um, you know, I mean, how cool would it be to have a service like this or a, a package like this uh, for, for so many more people with diabetes? And, and oh, yeah. um, you know, we think it's going to make a, a big difference, not only in the... Uh, people for diabetes, like help them live better and be healthier, but also help address some of the the economic uh, economic burden of diabetes too. So we've got big big dreams and uh, working hard to to make it happen. And I want to say something that happened today, and this touches on exactly this, is when I was telling one of my members who has type one late onset. I think she was in her twenties, and. Uh, long story she's been struggling with her diabetes and she's in her 60s now so she's had diabetes longer than I have but her regimen and things like that and I was telling her because we she found out that what I did um and talking about the she had no idea 
that I had diabetes and she opened up to me and kept opening up to me. And I put her in contact with a couple of pharmaceutical reps and things like that because her regimen wasn't good. But when I told her about you and some Mm -hmm. other folks here in the community about people that have the disease that are working to help people like all of us that aren't, I'm not going to say big farm or things like that, but that your intentions are genuine Everything needs to be affordable. No one should live without. And so it was just a great conversation because she didn't know things like this existed. Yeah, that's great. And it's wonderful to see so many uh, entrepreneurs and pioneers like your team that, you know, if I had kids and they had diabetes, that would give me hope for the future. Because I think my parents' biggest fear has always been, how is she ever going to be able to afford all of this? Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, we're happy that you're doing what you're doing. Thank you. That's a that's a really neat story, and and I think um, you know it's always been important to the team at My Sugar to um, to make it, if not free, super affordable to people with diabetes to to be able to use the mm-hmm. the My Sugar app and the services. So, um, you know, one of the the ways that we do that is partnering with uh, industry and, and device manufacturers. Another way that we do that is working with insurers and, and yeah. companies and things like that. And that's always been uh, part of the, the vision as as the company was growing. But in order to get there, we had to, to build a, 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 a base of users and people using and, and enjoying the app that was big enough that that our that our population was interesting enough to talk to those companies, and so um, you know, we're we're at a, a really interesting and fun point now where um, you know, all that stuff is is going really well, and and we're at kind of the that third piece of the puzzle in in starting to roll out with some of these insurance companies and uh, and payers. So uh, I think it'll be a fun a fun next bunch of years, and uh, we'll see how how it goes. Well, Scott, we look forward to keeping up with this and we'll be sure to, uh, of course, post, you know, or whatever we need to do to help spread the word about you guys and what you're doing because it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. But I, I kind of want to shift gears unless, Ryan, you have some serious questions about well, this in particular. I'll have one more comment yeah. and question in regards to that, uh, mainly because everybody has a smartphone Yeah. now. They're widely available. The, so the ability to have an app... Um, and, and to be able to get feedback is something that's going to be accessible to a lot of people. And whenever you compare that to uh, the current availability of the artificial pancreas yeah. and the future of all the AP projects that look a little bit further down the line for yeah. everyone, uh, I think it's a nice, it's, it's just a really exciting opportunity to still make developments as we're all you know, waiting for the artificial pancreas to mm-hmm. get to everybody some 25, 30 years down the road whenever everybody's going to have so access crazy. to that. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Uh, are you excited about all this artificial pancreas talk or what, man? Oh, yeah, totally. It's uh, it's super exciting. Um, in fact, I've been uh, playing around with one of the um, the the loop and, and uh, um, you know, oh, yeah, the loop. DIY systems and and I. It's very very uh, exciting that there's that 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 basically I've got something in my pocket that that all combined is is making evaluating all the the variables it can get its hand hands on and, and making decisions about my diabetes every five minutes which is way more often than i ever than right. i've ever 
able to do it before. So Talk about diabetes it, fatigue or decision fatigue, you'd be exhausted. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, totally. It's um, so it's it's you know everything everything happens in steps, right? So um, we're we're at the forefront of some very very exciting times with diabetes technology, and and like you mentioned, Ryan, every every company that's that's doing anything is is working on automated insulin delivery and um, combined with the fact that that um, the insulin companies are working on faster insulins and safer insulins and um, you know it, it's as much as I want uh, something really cool to be available tomorrow and I would jump all over it I'm gonna take advantage of every little step of improvement that 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 happens along the way and um, it, it's all helpful right like it's all helpful well, I no think doubt. we all have to be careful, and I know that every single person, well, every single person, all three of us, at some time in our life have been a part of a trial. Like mm-hmm. if, if, And we encourage, you know, looking into it, whatever that means, and we're not plugging anybody, but if it weren't for us having the courage to do so, the advancements in technology, or it wouldn't exist, because they need us to figure out how to make lives better for other people long term. Don't you agree? Yeah, totally. There's um, um, I'm a big fan of of research and trials, and, and um, I just did a, a a a little podcast discussion with a fun group called Antidote. Okay. Um, and they uh, they're all about. So one of the challenges that researchers have is is often they struggle to get enough people enrolled in their studies, yeah, yeah. and Antidote offers a, a tool on their website to um, kind of simplify. That, that research language and study language to make it a little less intimidating to evaluate and find studies that you can participate in. My experience with studies has been just great. I often get better medical care than I than I would uh, <laughs> under normal circumstances, and I I, uh, I get to feel like I'm making a difference in the bigger picture. So, but it's kind I'm, of a bitch. You have to like I hate the fact, and I've said this through the two trials I've done. Like, why do I have to handwrite down everything? I mean, mm-hmm. like, let's have an app. Well, their argument, not everybody has a smartphone. Okay, well, so provide them with a smartphone. <laughs> that should be a part of the trial in my mind. So it's better tracking because my chicken scratches, are, you don't, it, it sucks. Yeah, anywho. Yeah, there's definitely pros and cons to, to all of it. It's um, <laughs> And they should give you a Dexcom, too, now that I'm saying all this, because they had me testing my blood sugar like 18 times a day. I'm like, this is a total Ouch. nightmare. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm throwing that out there. Researchers, we need a Dexcom and we need a smartphone. If Amber's going to join your trial, it better be with a Dexcom and she better be getting a free smartphone. Oh, Just let it, let it be known. Ah, yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I bet it's out there. There's probably a trial out there like that. Uh, let me know. <laughs> let me know. Anywho, sorry. Lots of opportunities for growth. Yep. So I want to throw this out there. You have a family. Mm-hmm. How many kids do you have? I've got two kids and a, and a new uh, granddaughter. Grandkid. You got a grandkid. How old are you, Scott Johnson? Not old enough to have grandchildren, but I'm the <laughs> coolest grandfather around. I'm, uh, I'm 42 and my kids are... 14 and 17 and my granddaughter is about five months old good for you well congrats on being a a grandpa what are you going to be called what do you want to be called i don't know i haven't thought about that yet and it'll probably end up being whatever she decides (laughs) 
Oh, that's really, they dictate how it goes down. And, and the only reason I bring that up is, and I didn't know you had a granddaughter, I don't think, but what do you, did you ever fear, and we've talked about this in past podcasts, that your children or your grandchildren having diabetes? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and it's something that um, I don't think that that fear really ever goes away. Although, um, you know, so my, my wife and I, um, we looked at, at, at the statistics and, mm-hmm. and did some thinking about it and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, and of course, being, being kind of plugged into the, into the diabetes community, mm-hmm. I know, I know families who, you know, there's a mixture of, of diabetes, right? One mm-hmm. of the parents mm-hmm. or both of the parents have diabetes and, and none of the children have diabetes or, uh, on the other side of the spectrum, there's a, a diabetes in one of the parents or both and then and all of the kids have diabetes i mean you can find kind of anything in between there um and so it was definitely part of part of a a conscious decision in uh for us i I think we looked at the fact that um i compared it to back when i was diagnosed and and my mom and dad didn't know anything about diabetes and and you know, the the diagnosis hit and and their life as well as mine kind of came to that full stop and they had mm-hmm. to figure everything out and while I would be I would still be devastated I, I think I'd at least be better equipped to handle the mechanics of it sure um, but I, I think you know talking with friends who are parents and they're and they're and they have diabetes and then and then one or more of their children have diabetes it's it's also a whole different ball game right like their their kids diabetes is different than their diabetes and so yeah. i think it's 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 definitely something i worry about and i i i kind of watch for but i i don't necessarily let it let it cripple me i guess yeah. um but I, I think we, I, I have to, right? Like I have to be aware of the fact that it could happen. Um, and just because my kids are teenagers, uh, and even when they grow into adults and, and everything, like it could it could happen at any time. And so it's something that I, I just, it's always there in my mind, but I, I try not to let it cripple me uh, or, or bother them too much. Well, did you ever, tr- I mean, I, I know you know about trial net. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's for siblings only or how does that work, but have you done that? Uh, so that's a really great question, actually. And um, I, I, I really wrestle. I have been continued to wrestle with the question of whether to do it or not do it oh, for years. Yep. And uh, it's, a tough, it's a tough decision because on one hand, um, again, I'd be – Kind of contributing to medical research, I, I could be uh, if I find out if I found out that that one or one of the kids had um, you know had the the, the markers or yeah. whatever it's called, then I could possibly get them enrolled in in some early intervention studies, some things like that. But um, on the other end of it is like there's a lot of psychological burden that would oh lord yeah I, I'm just not sure I. I don't know where I stand in 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 the decision of of doing it or not. And unfortunately, I, I've waited like I've I've been battling this decision so long that that now 
you know, my kids are 14 and 17 and it, and it would be very much their decision as well. Right. Like, right. I mean, it's not, it's not just like dad says so anymore as, as when they were a small baby, but now they, they would have to be included in that discussion and, and, and be willing to, um, you know, so, so pick the circumstance would be like, okay, the possibility is you receive an envelope that says you have, you have one or more of the, the antibodies or markers and, and like, wow, what do you do now? Right. Well, um, we've talked about this in, in a different capacity and it actually started with this type of conversation and Ryan being in medical school, there mm-hmm. are, um, you know, and, and being a female, I know that you can get tests now to tell if you will likely get breast cancer. So I think that there are some things, some, what, what is the protocol there, Ryan? It, this is a, a, a growing debate inside of the ethics of medicine. Right. And the reason it's ethical and what it usually comes down to whenever you do any of these genetic tests to tell somebody whether or not they have the, the BRCA gene, which right. is the gene that you know increases breast cancer risk, or if a kid has antibodies for type 1 diabetes development, it's usually whether or not you can intervene and actually treat based off of that right. data. And or so prolong, like, right? Yeah, Pro- yeah. yeah okay. For, for a disease like Huntington's disease, you can't treat it. And so you would basically just be telling somebody, hey, you're going to have Huntington's and you may end up with a neurological disease that's really progressive in your life, or you will end up with it. So I think that's the issue is like right now, with kids, if we tell them that they have it, we can't really guarantee. We're only all we can do for them is put them in a study. And I don't know if I would want my kids. I, I kind of feel the same way, Scott. I'd go back and forth because it's yeah. like it's not like we can really intervene and prevent them from getting type one yet. Um, eventually, I would for sure want that if we knew we could prevent it. But right now, we would just basically be adding anxiety to your current life. And I'd rather just kind of have the light bulb come on one day and be like, "Oh, hey, my kid's peeing a lot." <laughs> Right. Probably has diabetes. But here's Let's the go thing get it with checked. that too. Granted, I don't, I don't have children and have no mm-hmm. desire to, and for diabetes reasons, which I've said before. But if you knew there was a possibility and sure. you could prolong that light bulb moment for an extra seven years, for a little bit more of a normal life, and that uh, child had to take just oh, a pill sure, sure. or whatever. I mean, like it's. Oh, that's, I don't think that's what we're arguing against, though. I think that is definitely. A good thing, but I don't know if that's guaranteed yet. Well, and I have to say, you know? Scott, too, my sister, my sister, uh, we've we've battled with this. My younger sister who has two children, my older sister, it doesn't matter. Um, she really has been on the fence about it until one day, my nephew, Grandpa Henry, was really acting out of whack, and she was just like, you know, now we kind of test his blood sugar every once in a while because she questions his attitude and th- things that he's doing um, based on maybe his blood sugar and everything is ended up being okay. And everybody now in the family tests their blood sugar together. And I think now she's starting to teeter. Oh my gosh, maybe I really need to consider this. And he's only six. So it's, it's a tough thing, right? Because you know, tough. what if, what if the, all right, so here's another, here's another scenario to consider. <laughs> what if enough people decided to enroll in TrialNet that they could figure out how to prevent type 1 diabetes. Right. See. Yeah. Right. Right. It's a this whole thing, I can't tell you how wound around my own brain I've gotten around this and I I am still unresolved. I I can't decide what is the right thing to do. Yeah, let me ask you this. If TrialNet came out and said if we had 10,000 people that were willing to do this and we saw 2,000 
kids with markers, that would give us enough to go off of that in the next 10 years we could really make some headway? Would that, would that be something that would sway you? And I still wouldn't believe that necessarily, but. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to, I mean, so of course everyone's situation is different. I would have to, I would have to give it a lot of thought and I would then also have to talk with my kids and see how they felt about it. Yeah. And, and, and like, how do you, how do you make sure that say, for example, a 14 year old understands the gravity of a decision they're making like this? I can't I'm, imagine. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. And it really is their life. We're the mm -hmm. ones that already have it. Yeah. And so we would only be, we're only worrying or being anxious for people that don't even have the disease yet. Um, yeah. Or may not get it. I mean, or, like or may not yeah, get it at like, all. Yeah. And here's the thing too. My question to trial net would be is let's say you have your, your child tested at age 14 and there are no markers. Does that mean for life? I mean, is that a done deal or do you have to have them tested every couple of years? I can't speak for all the specific like antibody titer numbers yeah. and like what's the threshold and if it, if it's, if you have low antibodies, will they stay low? I don't really know enough about the trial net data to really know whether or not that somebody does though. Somebody you out there has researched research the heck on that. Just, because if I knew that if I were to test my kid, let's say at age 10 and I am so stressed out and I finally got that green flag. No, God, they're good for life. Right. What a breath of fresh air that would be. Yeah. That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother aspect of it. Right. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. And I have to say too, Scott, because of uh, my time with you in uh, Arizona, whenever we were learning about Traceba and and I, I guess I hope I can say this, but, you know, talking to, I think his name is Dr. Todd, mm -hmm. Dr. Todd Hobbs. Yeah. Yep, um, yep. Six, six boys and yep. only one has diabetes. Mm -hmm. And it, I think it was his youngest. And so it was one of those things like, wow. I mean, and when you look at, and if you want to get into all the research and all that out of six, only one. I mean, and that's actually, how does that, that's actually above what the average would be if you took a hundred people. Uh, but he had six of his own children. That's what I'm saying. I know. Like, I'm saying if you had a hundred kids in a row, back to back to back to back, that's actually still above really? the amount that you would expect based on type one diabetes genetics. Cause it's, what is it from like male passing on? I'm not entirely sure, but we've set, we've female, this female to male is the, it would be the same because it's X linked. So it would be the same, but that means nothing. But yeah. Let's talk about a happier subject. <laughs> we already all have diabetes. We're there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Scott, I've asked this a couple of our podcast guests that are very vocal about their lives with diabetes. So mm -hmm. if you were to um, talk to a parent or to a person that newly diagnosed with the disease, what would you say? I would, I was one of my favorite things that I, one of my mantras that I use for myself to keep myself sane is um, progress, not perfection, right? Like, oh, good. And, and, and so that ties in, like, it ties in so nicely with sort of um, just, just one, one step at a time. And, and, and like, diabetes breeds perfectionism. It's just so ripe for perfectionism, and that'll drive you nuts. Yeah. And, it drives me nuts, right? Like we're 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 so focused in on the on the numbers and the goals and things like that. And um, I swing back and forth from 
from that like that perfectionism trap all the way to the other side of the burnout and 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 the trouble on that side of thing and it's all about kind of finding that happy medium and that mantra progress not perfection is a big piece of it for me i love that and do you find that that same mentality relating to diabetes goes into other parts of your life because absolutely i think it's one that that um that that is a healthy approach for many things um parenting working uh i mean boy what what would it be a bad thing for i'm not i'm not sure i don't know yeah that's a good one man i'm gonna add that to my daily mantras absolutely love it i've got a lot of them i'm gonna have to like get up an hour earlier to continue all this (laughs) well anything else you want to share with the with the crew oh this has been a lot of fun um thank you guys for doing everything you're doing and and thank all the listeners for taking time out of your day to share some time with us that's super valuable and and i know i appreciate it as well as as amber and ryan and and jonathan so um, just (laughs) keep doing everything And let me say this, we're going to link all of this. As we said, Scott Johnson is a catalyst in the diabetes community and is a mover and a shaker. The guys traveling the world and hanging out with the stellar DOC crew. So we'll link all of his stuff and be sure to follow him and reach out. He's really good about responding and answering your questions in a timely fashion when he's not dealing with kids and grand, a grandkid. <laughs> <laughs> You're a grandpa. Woo! Yeah, Let's go. it's cool. It's cool. I love it. Well, we look forward to bringing you back on the show again in the near future and the best of luck with everything that you're doing with, um, all the technology and every, you know, my gosh. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. And thanks for being the most welcoming voice yes. of the DOC. And if you could rip a burp right now, we would really appreciate it. <laughs> I haven't had a beer in a while or else I would rip a burp and I, we I, may, I've been- laying off of the diet coke while we're on the microphone i can't uh, i can't can't do it feel free to send us an audio file and we'll include it at some point we (laughs) need somebody else to burp on this besides myself we've been waiting on it for a long time yeah and i let me say that i no longer drink carbonated beverages (laughs) sometimes a burp comes out but it's not as much as it used to be (laughs) that's so funny i love it yeah awesome thanks for being you scott Thank you. I appreciate the the fun show. Dude, no doubt. All See right. you later, Scott. We'll talk to you soon. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm alive. Yes, I'm alive. One minor inconvenience. A little thing called diabetes. It's a daily grind. It's a what daily a show. Gosh. Talking real-life diabetes with the guy who is had it longer than i have and we're in the same age yeah around the same age infinite wisdom in there (laughs) along with the hugs (laughs) hugs and grilled cheeses and diet cokes were we not right though he's very huggable he's huggable he's huggable you know what's even more huggable itunes review and itunes review okay so this is coming from possibly the best named iTunes reviewer we've had review the show. Are we yet. sure this is not a repeat? Because we've actually maybe said one twice. Just throwing that out there. You it's should listen. You should listen to the shows because you get two T-shirts. Yeah, it, you know the best way. Maybe some skittles for us to know if you've if you've already heard the review is to actually tell us it was your review. 
Okay, so here it is. The name of the reviewer is Psychoglycemic. Named, just plain real, five stars. Woo! Okay, here it goes. I've been binge listening to your podcast and I'm finally up to date. I just want to thank you both for being so honest and sharing your lives and experiences growing up with type 1 diabetes. I'm the mother of a child with T1D and have gained an insight and may not otherwise have had into what she may be going through. You've given me encouragement and plenty to think about as she grows into a young adult who will handle this on her own. Thank you. Cheers to a young adult who can handle their diabetes on their own. Oh. Amory's speechless. She's so excited well, about it makes the review. It, well, it's, let me say that I'm so excited about it, but I have to say that both of us have been in scenarios recently. I went to a T1D play group. You were, you know, a medical counselor for a camp. And when somebody said to me, and this is not egotistical, and I promise you that, when I was in the parents' set, you know, the, all the kids branched off and the parents went into another, and everybody was talking about their kids and their diagnosis or whatever. And I, it came to me and I said, well, I have diabetes and I was diagnosed at age eight and that the parents had it much harder than the, the people with diabetes. And I got really emotional and somebody said to me later, I mean, uh, you know, a week or so later, they emailed me and said, I had no idea you were Amber from the diabetes daily grind in the Mm. podcast. Um, and it was, and thank you. Oh my gosh. And so it was like, one of those just yeah well it's uh, it's very cool very cool and i know you deal with that mm-hmm. too like the parents it's just it's a it's a wonderful i don't know where i was going with that it was just emotional oh no doubt struck a chord. blood sugar's good though blood struck sugar's a chord. Good. okay if you're psychoglycemic send us an email info, info. at com, and you can pick from a charcoal or blue shirt I'm gonna say charcoal. if you pick blue i'll send you I'm a handwritten saying. note okay so <laughs> That's that's the information there. Last thing I want to say before we we do our cheers is that if you'd like to support the show via PayPal, we could appreciate it. Something as small as five dollars helps us. Ten dollars helps us because it helps us pay for literally the podcast hosting. Yeah. If we get just ten dollars through a PayPal donation. Yeah. So it doesn't take much. We love putting these shows together. We can't wait to put out more. And it's been a heck of a journey. We're so. not buying uh, Prada bags with this money. We are literally <laughs> keeping the That's lights right. on. Paying GoDaddy fees. Jonathan, mm-hmm. we still owe about $42,000. <laughs> Perhaps not that much, but, but not kidding. all that inaccurate. He's so sweet. Um, yeah, that PayPal link is in the show notes page on diabetesdailyground.com. And if you have any questions, comments, or future show things that you'd like to see us kind of tap into, we're always open to suggestions. So... Keep the comments coming. We love it. Or drop us a speak pipe. My goodness. True. We've been trying for this for ages. And you know what? The first speak pipe person after this podcast that drops us a note, we will send you a t-shirt. I was not aware of this plan until just now, but I support it as yeah, well. Let's, let's, we're baiting the mm-hmm. hook. I support it. Let's baiting go. the hook. Get on it. Speak pipe. Little button right side of the page. If you have a question, you can say it there audio wise and then we'll encord that in that in the next ask us anything show we'll include it but also leave in an email where we send this (laughs) t-shirt too many steps no too much yeah to that we love you we say (laughs) we love you thanks for listening for 47 episodes and cheers cheers to the highs and lows Yes, I'm
diabetes It's a daily grind, it's a daily grind And it grinds and grinds and grinds and grinds But I'm alive Yes, I'm alive One minor inconvenience A little thing called diabetes It's a daily grind, it's a daily grind It's a daily grind and it grinds and grinds and grinds Rolling kid. Let it rip. <laughs> no, I do not want to have that on there. I've been holding that in. Sorry, that was gross.